Oh my God! Did anyone see Keon Alexander's tweet about the about abs? about the arm? Yeah, that was hilarious. He, he tweets about he tweeted a picture of the arm regrowing, and he kind of tweeted from um, from Marco's perspective, yeah. talking about you know how Belters are treated, that. blah blah blah. And Kara G responded, and she was like, "How dare you cut out Samer's abs?" Well, you know, yeah. She's <laughs> like, she's like, Keon, I'm aware of your Twitter bullshit. <laughs> but I'm never going to forgive you for cutting out Sam. Yeah, his abs. Very funny. <laughs> I have to say, very funny. You know, my very straight ass was like, God damn, look at those abs. He you is, know, like- he's, yeah. Also, my very straight ass was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to that episode. Was we are popsicle. Today's episode of that episode was will be a deep dive into the expanse season six, episode five, Why We Fight. And oh man, was it a good one. The Expanse is a series created by Mark Fergus and Hawk Ostby and run by Marine Shankar. It's based on the book series of the same name written by James S.A. Corey, a pen name for writing team Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank, who also work on the show. This episode was written by Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank and directed by Anya Adams. I am Kelly Sue and I am currently nailing hosting this episode. <laughs> um, with me as always, are my beautiful popsicle co-hosts, Lisa K. Weber. She is the Christian to Maya Vassarella. Hello. Hello. <laughs> we also have Claire Thorne, who is, of course, the Aaron to my right. Oh, I get the cheese stick? <laughs> what? You get the very first cheese stick. I, I think Justin's I jealous. I feel like I just dodged a bullet. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I thought at least like Justin would be the cheese stick. But... Wow, see? Oh. Oh. I, chose I chose Claire for this exact reaction. Gauntlets. <sighs> Gauntlets have been thrown around the room. <laughs> Uh, next up, we have Justin Penniston, who is the series to my station. Damn right. Wow. <laughs> A lot of bad stuff going on there. <laughs> hey, man. Siri is a great place to find brothels, booze, and noodles. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Although they seem Justin to all only be- go to for all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't love that one. No, um, I do. I do. Great. And then Philip Kelly, our fearless producer, the Rossi to all of our Nantes. <laughs> Why did that sound dirty? It sounds so dirty. <laughs> so, but I'll take it. I'll yeah, take you stay it. away from my Nantes. <laughs> oh, it's so great. And we also have a very special guest today who we are so excited to bring back. The amazing Karina Becco, who in this instance will be the proto to my molecule. <laughs> um, thank you. <laughs> questioning your bit. life choices right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's great about the proto molecule is that it's it's so um, it's infinite and it can do anything. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Karina. 
Um, so a little bit about Karina to bring you guys back on board with how awesome she is. In addition to writing for the Expanse comic series for Boom Studios, Karina is the author of a graphic novel called Heathen Town and has also worked on such titles as Star Wars Legacy, Savage Hulk, Aliens Vampirella, Once Upon a Time, Court of the Dead, The Chronicle of the Underworld, and the Hugo-nominated series Invisible Republic. Wow. Karina <laughs> also does a ton Super cool science shit. <laughs> welcome back, Karina. Thank you so much. It's so you are so welcome. Yeah, Karina is our first return guest. Is this I not? Think so. uh, do oh, I yeah. have that stat uh, what, wrong? Uh, I don't Tilly, think I Tilly do. Tilly came back. Tilly once. was there. Yeah, Did, oh, was, we, we have okay. Somebody, well, it's still a very, Karina, but <laughs> it's still a very exclusive club, and well, jackets are pending. Uh -huh. It really is. <laughs> well, and what a wonderful episode to bring you back for because this episode was just bonkers awesome. Um, and I'm going to take this moment to say don't come here and get angry about spoilers if you listen further because we're really going to be digging into it. So, this is your last warning. If you haven't watched this episode, go watch it. If you haven't watched The Expanse, what are you doing listening to this podcast? <laughs> and what are you doing with your life? And what are you doing with your life, more importantly? Thank you, Justin. So whoever you are, if you are not up to date, go figure it out and then come back and listen. Um, okay, so right off the bat, I just want to say I was right about the proto-dog. Yeah. Having not read the books. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. You were you were right-ish for those who right had read the books. You were like right in a way. So okay. Yeah. Because it's what opens the episode. Let's dive in. Give me your thoughts on what just went down on Laconia because that's a pretty big deal. Three dogs, three proto dogs. Three proto dogs. That, yeah. That was quite striking. Totally. Yeah. You absolutely. Or sorry, no, Claire. Whoever. Oh, I was just going to say, I really want one of those little like floaty beds or whatever, like whatever hospital bed or no, it's not a hospital bed. Um, a person or bed that you put a person on at awake. Like yes. if it, if you can take it out into a jungle, like I want that, like it would make life easier. So that Absolutely. was my first thought. Well, there's, okay. um, yes. there's something that I think it's, uh, uh Clarissa says, uh, about her dad later in the episode was like, uh, maybe my dad was kind of right that if you get this thing under control, we can do good things with it, despite all the horrible ways they were going about getting there to do it. I do want to, uh, this might be mildly, this is a mild spoiler. Is everybody okay, okay with like, it's the mildest of spoilers. Sure. Yes. The proto molecule doesn't have anything to do with the dogs. Great. That's interesting. Okay. okay. Because I and that's not a big reveal. It's just a thing. I haven't read the shorts, um, the novellas, and in like when Zan refers asks about the substrate, that felt mm -hmm. very proto molecule to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong because I haven't read book nine yet. I just started it two days ago, so maybe something's about to get revealed mm -hmm. in book nine that I don't know about yet. But yeah, because if it's not. I'm curious what it is. Well, yeah, especially yeah. with and the blue eyes. We all are. Yeah. Yeah. And, then there's, and there's also, um, it's not like the proto molecule hasn't 
brought people back to life before right you know so it's um but it's like i just i was just like detail wise it was like zan didn't look like other people who had had like proto-molecule influence sure but like he had black eyes they weren't like glowing. There's no blue glowy. Oh, I thought they were blue glowy when I saw it. I thought it. they were too. Yeah. Interesting. I thought they were black. I, I, I saw them as more black too. So it was that it was like kudos to them. I mean, the, the environment is really dark and you don't, you can just tell that something's not right. Like, yeah. you know, something is uncanny about his face. Uh-huh. Um, I'm really interested about the proto molecule. I, what Lisa's saying is like shifting my understanding of the books and now I need to go research stuff. <laughs> I will say so. more than anything else, mm-hmm. what's going on on Laconia gives me faith that there is a post-season six plan. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is not just oh, yeah. a, we're yeah, hoping right. somebody picks us up, that there is a plan. Yeah, and- again, yeah. with the mild spoiler, like, the seven, eight, and nine are all about Laconia. So the fact sure. that they're introducing Laconia at this point, instead of just focusing on like the, you know, denouement of uh, book six is a, seems to me a very clear indicator of oh. their confidence that we will be continuing yeah. the story mm-hmm. after this. I can't think of a reason for having this, part I, I don't I can't think of a reason for them telling this story other than to lead to something coming it yeah. right. I don't know what it's giving us in this season exactly other than yeah. to say hey some dicey shit's going down on Laconia what's gonna it. happen yeah 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 think- that, was, that was my thought too like it, it's <clears throat> gotta be that there's something further because this is a big thing to have right here in the middle of all <laughs> other politics yeah. and everything else yeah 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 and, and as I, an opener yes like opening every episode with this yeah yeah and it, yeah because in feels... book six we're not on laconia at all in hmm. book six so yeah. they're they're specifically adding yeah future elements into this season that and it might they might also be um showing us how they're going to and he here's a mild spoiler but it might be showing <laughs> us how they're going to deal with the time jump oh, oh that, that makes sense yeah right because i know yeah. the next book takes place like 30 years later or something they're right? pulling yeah they're pulling it everything together they're like pulling th- it feels like maybe they're pulling things forward with laconia you know mm-hmm. what i mean and yeah. right that makes know, sense yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know they don't want to put everybody in thirty years more thirty <laughs> plus makeup every episode, right? And they don't want to yeah. recast, right. which so. I'm sad. Which I'm sad about because that's one of the things I love about the the story in the books is that we we jump ahead to versions of our the characters that we know in the series that are are very different, and we get to see how the progression of time really affects them in terms of like all of the things that we talk about with these characters, obviously getting mm-hmm. significantly older versions of these characters, I think is, is important in the story in the yeah. books. 
Well, I love it. It's all very exciting. And if anything else, this entire point of my discussion led us to talk about what is beyond this season, which we, which we need, we all need it in our lives. Like I'm going to say that I'm going to put it out into the ethers and the powers that be Bezos. I'm not giving you my money for nothing. Put it into <laughs> making more expanse, you son of a bitch. I know. When I renew my Amazon Prime in a few weeks, I'm going to put that in a little note. Like I'm the only reason I'm renewing this right now is because I want more expanse. Exactly. Yeah. Expanse yeah. Amazon Prime, and I'm done with you. It's what the people want. The people want. So okay. Getting into the episode now. Holy moly, holy. I mean, there's so much to talk about. So I wanted, I wanted to open the discussion up pretty generally, but I noticed that in this episode, there was a big theme of being forced to trust things that you don't typically, things that you haven't in the past, things that you don't want to, um, with the realization about the danger at the ring after the MCRN gets toasted, Avrasarala needs to trust Holden's judgment and therefore Kamina Drummer. Drummer has to trust Naomi and therefore Avrasarala. And then on a smaller scale, Amos puts faith in Bobby's advice when he's ready to say, fuck this, you know? Um, and Michio has to trust her choice to leave her family and stay with Joseph. Like lots of difficult choices from everybody and all of them being about it's time to be big picture about this mm-hmm. and put a lot of our personal desires to the wayside. So let's just dive in. And I'll start with you, Karina, since you're our special guest. I think that you make some really good points there about that. And I felt like this was a really intense episode that showed um, how things could be looked at from different angles, which I think is something that The Expanse does really well. One of my favorite things about it is that it's not just about here's a story and it goes on and you're seeing it from these points of view. It's that it mm. constantly shifts and allows you to re-examine why people did things and sort of doubling down on it's sort of an open secret now about the dud war, you know, missile and um yeah. It's, it's interesting to examine how different people deal with this kind of information and if they can understand the underlying reasons mm-hmm. and then to show that there are underlying reasons for these things and that the human element is so important, which is another thing I just love about this show. It's, it's all about how people deal with these extraordinary circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much. Um, it was so highlighted for me. I mean, I think if if I were to choose the one that felt the most intense to me, um, it was probably drummer Um, from the beginning of this episode, all the way through to the end to see her make like 70, 11 emotional leaps from the beginning to the end is not only a credit to Kara G, but also really showing like, this is a monumental shift that's having to happen to solve a monumental problem. Um, And it was illustrated so beautifully in all of her scenes and the entire story per character of this episode. Justin, hit me. Um, I definitely agree that, I mean, Drummer felt like the stories 
the, the A story, you know, what is mm-hmm. drummer gonna do in this episode? Um, and it was on a very character driven show, it was so like wrapped up in her character, and mm-hmm. she like this these issues of trust keep coming up and they keep relating back to her, you know. Mm-hmm. She has to trust Avasarala. She has to trust Naomi. She has mm-hmm. to trust Michio and, and Joseph. You know, she has to trust mm-hmm. the doctor. Um, and she's already trusting Liang, you know, and her you know, slowly growing, you know, armada. Mm-hmm. Um, this was... First of all, Kerji was at the very top of her game. Oh, yeah in a way and like when she um has that breakdown breakdown moment with naomi you know and the writing is on point you know what i mean like and her performance is just you believe you know where she's coming from you know her feelings are authentic Mm -hmm. you know it was just you know, this is like you know, Karina said, this is a show about, you know, about humans and what we do. You know what I mean? And she was so human in that moment. And I really, really, really loved that. Um, yeah. And this is a show where everyone's making tough choices. You know what I mean? I mean, more than Amos, because Amos putting faith in Bobby's advice is not atypical for Amos. If you say something that's simple that makes sense to Amos, Amos is going to run with it. You know what I mean? But what it really says is he's going to put his faith back in the people at his side. You know what I mean? And that's his big trust leap. And Mm -hmm. I really, really, that that hit me because we needed that. We needed to see Amos come back to the fold because he's been walking farther and farther away all season. Yeah. Um, And then the last thing I'll say and stop dominating everyone's time is it really sets up thematically what i really liked is philip's realization and understanding that his father is willing to hurt belters Mm -hmm. that this is he is not the belter savior that he thinks he is and philip is he feels betrayed you know like you see that in his face which also was you know like a real like i mean good for Josiah Chase Owens because he was also on one. Mm -hmm. Um, But now he has to decide whether to continue to place his trust in his father or if he's going to put it with a different parent and a different set of priorities. And it's like they are really truncating this season. Mm -hmm. But if you haven't read the books, I would say it doesn't feel like that's what they're doing. You know what I'm I haven't saying? read the books. It yeah. feels like we are because we have one more big ass episode to go, mm-hmm. you know, and what that episode is going to be about. I mean, I have read the books, so at least those books, you know, and it, so I know what's coming, but. Right. Mm. But yeah. I certainly, yeah, I don't feel that they're dropping anything from the narrative. No, really. Um, no, it what, feels like really like well done. Like they seem to like be pretty seamlessly editing and adding like really really elegantly mm-hmm. yeah like it feels it's very dense like mm-hmm. the storytelling is dense but it's not um it doesn't feel overwhelming it just feels intense 
Yeah. yeah. Well, they they know how to have each character in each scene carrying multiple loads mm-hmm. and doing it in a way that just works, you know? Right. And, and I say it all the time. I love like, uh, it's, there's just something so comforting about finding a show where everybody is just a motherfucking professional oh, and yeah. knows what yeah. they're doing and you don't have to worry about it being bad or disappointing. It's just not going to be ever. You can just ever. trust mm-hmm. it. And, <laughs> yes. it's and the cool true. thing is going on the theme and- of trust. <laughs> Yes. Going Even hand in, in hand with, the, with that professionalism is, is that it's also obviously a labor of love. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? It's it's both professional mm. and intensely personal. And I think yeah. that's, you know. And, I, and I'll just add to like the fawning over the um, drummer Naomi scene because yes. like, I was already absolutely in love with this entire episode. But then when that scene happened, it really just sent everything over the top for me. And I was like, this is just like possibly the best episode of this entire series and it was that connection to exactly how she was feeling mm-hmm. like let me have my petty shit <laughs> you know just give me one can't i just have a minute to feel my petty shit but no i can't so fuck you (laughs) yeah it it is it was the just love it so much yeah it's the pitch perfect representation of how messy a truly intimate relationship is you know and we don't we we usually with these kinds of relationship narratives you get kind of one emotional conflict at a time Mm -hmm. because you know they i and i get that you know they they're wanting to give you you know a very clearly you know uh depicted theme or mm. or narrative but care drummer is going through so many things and, and just like lisa said it is you know, like she's having that i want to blame somebody and here's the closest person to me and i can blame this person and i know it's irrational but i'm i i feel it so strongly i need to do it anyway mm. and and naomi on the flip side of that just being so like naomi has to know how like she she understands completely what drummer is feeling and thinking and just so gently and lovingly kind of just lets her be who she is Mm -hmm. but at the same time saying but putting her foot down and saying but no this is how things have to be this is you know we've got to step out of this and be something different Mm-hmm. There's just so many things and it just felt so like you've had that. We've all had that argument with people, right? Yep. We've all had that. Like, I just, things are falling apart and I need to blame somebody and be irrational and emotional and kind of horrible right now. And I love, it just, it resonated so, so well. well yeah. I, yeah. And I, the fact that oh. she says the words, fuck you, but they so clearly mean, I love you, mm-hmm. you know, yes. it's just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I, I know, we're talking about like drummer being emotional. Drummer is the type of person, the character, a character that doesn't trust anybody really showing her emotions around anybody. Like I, unless it's anger, it seems like it, she's good at getting angry, but that's to cover up the emotions. That's to cover up whatever she's actually feeling. And so for her to have this breakdown in front of Naomi shows how much 
she actually does trust Naomi and that, you know, she kind of always mm -hmm. has. Um, and that's Believe really me, wonderful. You cannot, you cannot wear eye makeup like that and, and expect to be showing your emotions like in public ever. <laughs> like that. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I, you know, all down your face. <laughs> mm. Last, last episode, we talked about kind of, uh, trust in leadership and, and the leadership roles and things mm. like that. And I, one thing that's really interesting to me about drummer and what she's going through in this episode, because this is, as we said, very much her episode. And this is what happened to her last season too, is she wanted to make a decision at the very beginning of the episode. And one of her family members would talk her out of that decision and being talked out of that decision led her down a path in which she lost more family members. At the beginning of the season, Joseph was like, no, no, no maybe we should get rid of Michio and drummer was not on board with that. She had to be talked yeah. into that. And the fact that she then listened, she went against her intuition, her instincts, which we also yeah. talked about last episode, tipped over the dominoes and just led her down this path, just like last season. And I, it's such a, and I, I'm still like, a, 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 I guess, kind of processing that element of her character because she is to me, one of the strongest characters in the show, like as far as strength, like internal strength, but at the same time, she's also very, it's, she wants so badly to have a family that yeah. she doesn't always trust her instincts. And that oftentimes leads to getting her into deeper shit, <laughs> like to places well, she doesn't want to go. It's relatable. It's, yeah. Very relatable. <laughs> right. Very relatable. You no. Know? I think we've all been there, which yeah. is yeah. You know, the power of, of drummer as a character. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the it, things that I really loved about that scene from the Naomi side is because, and again, this is about things carrying multiple burdens because this is also a logical quote unquote end to Naomi's character arc. We have to remember that Naomi is the person who had to be, forced to work with the earth who lied and deceived lied to and deceived the rest of her crewmates in giving the proto molecule to the belt i mean she mm -hmm. there was a time when she had to deal with the same conflicts mm -hmm. and she didn't have a naomi to help her through it yeah you know mm -hmm. and so there is this like you know there's a very real sense of i've been where you are I know what you're going through, even though you can't possibly believe that. I know what it is to sacrifice my family to do the right thing. I know, I know what you're going through, you mm -hmm. know, like, and I just want to say, and this is one of my favorite things about this show, and it's done it multiple times throughout its run. We have these two iconic moments, A, Naomi and Drummer, and then at the end, Drummer and Abbasarala. Uh -huh. And how many shows that aren't expressly about women or aren't expressly about race have uh -huh. moments like these between two women of color? Do uh -huh. you know what I'm saying? And it's just yeah. the way it is, you uh -huh. know? It's like, I, I, I don't normally notice. Now. I don't normally notice on the show, but I noticed, I don't, there was something about this most recent episode, I think, because it was so, it was just focused on the characters it was focused on. And oh. it was just like women, 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 yeah. women. <laughs> I was like, yeah. 
it's just refreshing. It and not really that I is. don't love the not that I don't love the dude perspective. I do, but it's like I it's just so refreshing to be in a fiction that is not male centered for right. once. And not and one it's of- not like and it's not waving a banner about it either. Exactly. It's, like, it's not about that. No. Yeah, it's not well, about, about that. that. It's just, just these are that. these are humans, and this is what the world, if we could give up our stupid fucking bullshit, would look like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and they can they can do that and have all of these women be the central mm. like women in power kind of things without it, without even having one, even tiny storyline tied around gender in any way whatsoever. Like none yeah. of the men in the story are going, oh, well, this is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. It's just oh, the way just, the world is. Yeah. Yeah. Before, can I, 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 I love that. And I'm going to talk about that more as well, but it, it, <laughs> I want to go back to Amos and, um, Bobby. Wait, before um, you do, let me just drop my hot take. Okay. I did have several hot takes for this episode. Of course. Yes. Yeah. How could you not? One of my hot takes was um, can we get more Amos with glitter? Yes, I loved that. <laughs> I did love I that. Was obsessed that with the glitter in the beard. That yeah. was such a good detail. I, it really was. Detail, such a yeah. good detail. We've yeah, all yeah. had that experience of leaving the club, doing some questionable things, and being like, what's this? You cannot <laughs> it's like, sorry about it, Wes. You're going to be like showering off that it was probably his idea. You're going to be showering that off for the next like three weeks. It was his, it was, it was his idea. He was like, can we throw some glitter in there, please? Yeah, I got this beard. Just, yeah. We have to do something yeah. with it. I just yeah. think that I, I love that they have always made it abundantly clear that whatever's going on with Amos sexually, A, you don't need to know the details because it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But B, it's probably pretty wide open. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah yes oh, yeah. entirely oh, wide yeah. open yeah. well i mean oh, my the end of that exchange was the definition of wide open <laughs> oh, oh yeah whatever. Exactly. that was almost cruel it was it was yeah that was uh, i don't have words for that but anyway um oh. i i just want to appreciate what something i think they've done very nicely with amos in this season because mm-hmm. that exchange between he and bobby it, in the middle of it, I'm thinking, oh my God, something's happened with Amos that I wasn't even really tracking until mm. this moment, which is Amos had suddenly in the season become Holden in some ways, because what Bobby is, is, is convincing him of is that he needs to not, he needs to get back to a place where he's just like, yeah, I'm just here for the people around me. Right. Like Amos has always been that guy who would say, okay, this bigger stuff, it, it doesn't matter. You know, it, it, it's just the churn. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't let that sway. You just need to be there with your people or your, your tribe that you've put together, whatever that is. And you just need to be focused on what you're doing and so for, for, for Bobby to need to be reminding him of that and him coming into this episode in a mindset yeah. of what am I even doing here? Like, what is my bigger purpose? There's such a different place for Amos to be in than yeah. the Amos we knew in season one, two, and whatever. And I think his experience on earth has shifted 
it just felt like, you know, he shifted to something else that's mm-hmm. very Holden-like, yeah, right? Like questioning, like what's my purpose here? And is it worthwhile? Is it, and I just, I thought that was very subtly done. They haven't spent mm-hmm. that much time on it in the season, but just yeah. so nice because- Do you think that, because in past episodes we've spoken, um, kind of at length about this aspect of Amos, how he, Amos kind of needs a leader. And it's really like really clear that he's disappointed and really disillusioned by Holden. So is that something that's kind of like knocking him out of his experience of the churn? I think it's less that, I think it's less that he is disappointed with Holden and more that he's starting to behave more like a leader himself because he's, he's taking on close personal relationships. And I'm thinking, you know, he and Clarissa very specifically in which he is now, he's taking what he's learned from Holden and, and interacting with someone else in a kind of mentor way about like, okay, here's how to move forward um, and be okay. I just think he's, it just feels like he is, he has absorbed mm. holdenness to a degree mm-hmm. that he doesn't even like recognize. And so, yeah, it's, it's just fascinating. And I think the look on his face when Bobby, you know, drops the, you know, like, here's, here's what you really need to be thinking about. The look on his face, I think is him to me, it just felt like him going, Oh my God, yeah, I have, I have, I've like, yeah, it's just him realizing, oh my God, I have changed in this way. And I didn't even see myself yeah. being that yeah. way. I, Justin, you I look think, like a point Claire. Well, I think A, everything that Claire said, I'm fully on board with. Mm, I but... do think she leaves out one big part. I think okay. she leaves out one oh. big part. Have it. And I think on because in his experience on Earth, I think. I think the big point that we got out of that, out of that experience is when I'm separated from my family, I lose my way. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the season, he loses a family member in a very big, painful way. And I think that a lot of what's going on with him, in addition to having been changed by his experiences on the Rasinante, is that he had a brother that he has now lost. Yeah. And he feels in being separated from Alex, he feels more separated from the crew, right? You know, and I think yeah. I think there's a certain uh, it's a, like a defense mechanism protect sure. myself from being hurt, yeah. Distance from the rest, you know, from the others. Yeah, well, and I think that that you was true for question. everyone on the Rosinante, yeah. right? Like but they I all think, feel a bit, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think this is how it's manifesting for Amos. Mm-hmm. And I want to know from y'all who have read the books at this point, how are they handling the absence of Alex? Oh, there Alex is, is still in the book. No yeah. absence of Alex. There is no absence of Alex in the books. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like in the show, how are they handling that? Mm. How do you see them handling the absence of Alex in the show? Oh, I see. The um, narr- like, how does it feel? Speaking for me, because I haven't read as far as the others. Mm. I will say that it feels like it's affecting the character arcs, but not the plots. Got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they have to approach 
these evolving, you know, the, the, the story points from a different perspective for each character because of that loss. Brina, I forget, have you have you read the books? I I tried to sort of stay away from that when I was writing um, the miniseries because it was so based mm -hmm. on the show and I was afraid of getting things twisted. Yeah. That so, is a real that is a real thing. And yes, <laughs> correct decision. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I, I talked <laughs> to the folks behind the show a bit, you know, before diving in and um, about what was canon and what wasn't. And they were mm. very generous with their interpretations of this. So I thought that was the best thing to do. So I am way behind, meaning the books <laughs> in my audible wish list. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, they're so good. Well, and I think I'm really looking forward to them, but I have not gone very far. So. Yeah. Y'all have gone a lot further with them than I have. Well, and as creators, all of us, um, I think we can agree that that's a really powerful way to deal with this really unique situation that these, um, that the creators of the show were in, having to mm -hmm. remove a beloved character under such um, unfortunate circumstances and having it affect the characters emotionally versus making changes to the plot is basically just genius, which is why yeah. we fucking love the show. Um, it, we it's, are going to take a quick break <laughs> so that we can hear from some people about some things that make money. <laughs> See you back here in a minute. We're just discussing while y'all are listening to some messages about the beautiful shade that Holden throws to Monica. It was subtle. It was timeless. It was to the point. But we also see these two have a very different exchange in this week's bonus short. Remember the cans. So nice to go back in time to when the Canterbury was thriving. If we could say it was ever thriving, <laughs> maybe. Um, so this short was written by Juliana Damewood and Glenton Richards, directed by Lewin Webb. Um, really interesting to look back at this young, bright-eyed, clean-shaven Holden. So it was, um, was CGI at play there because I don't think so. brighter, bigger people tell me how Stephen Strait does this. Like he's he's given us some. <laughs> some Paul Rudd, you know, like, how do you? I mean, Stephen Street is a pretty like fresh faced newborn baby. It's true. I think that's why he keeps that beard. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's like, I'm grizzled. Take me seriously. Look at this beard. I'm a grown man. Though, though in the flashback, <laughs> man, damn it. in the flashback, his voice was still ragged as hell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. rah, 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 rah. I loved it. I, yeah, I, it again, great. I'm just amazed at what they get. Like the, the, the little, like just solid pieces of work they do in these four mm. and five minute shorts. And yeah. this one was, I mean, it was beautiful. So great. It was awesome. Uh, Karina, were you able to watch the, the short? Yes, absolutely. Um, watched it last night. And I, I am impressed with how they do fit some really interesting little bits of storytelling in a yeah. really short package mm -hmm. because it's a very different beast to to do a, 
a short as opposed to yes a you know a, a ongoing story over the course of a season or and even though yeah. they they fit in it's still interesting that they're able to do that with with that small of amount of time absolutely yeah. And I think it was especially to cap off this episode, like the, oh, sorry, to, to cap off this episode, like the whole why we fight theme mm-hmm. with where Holden started before anything happened mm-hmm. um, um, to just kind of remind you like how the people in your life shape you and how the events of the world shape you into like yeah into your purpose you know and how interesting it is too that we get to see Holden accept this you know accept his um his quest Mm -hmm. based on there being little to no responsibility involved. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, and, and to the degree to which that felt like he's putting on, like, you know, we talk in Hannibal, when we're talking about Hannibal all the time, putting on a person suit, it felt very much like, oh, I'm seeing Holden with his carefree suit on. Like that's not mm-hmm. Holden. And it's not why Holden's in the belt either yeah. to just be, you know, where he is in that point in his life. It's, it's running from a sense of, responsibility and where that had led him um earlier in his you know stint in with the UN Navy um and wanting to he wants to be this carefree you know guy and it's such a a disguise that he has Mm -hmm. that he's wearing yeah but there are also this like this wonderful you know, and it kind of harkens back to the episode itself, you know, the scene with Hoagland and Avasarala, where she's just like, you are the most naive person I've ever met. <laughs> and you see that that faith in people, that his automatic reaction to see people as people and to relate to people, mm. you know, has always been there, you know, <laughs> like, it, it, it's so cool that he's palling around with belters and talking, telling stories about how, I, how long it's taken me to stop fucking up this whole Earth and Belter thing, you know? <laughs> and it was, <laughs> yeah, seriously, because I've been in scenes like that where I've seen, where I've had white friends come into black spaces and know how to naturally fit in by not, by not ignoring the fact that there are differences. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but by making it plain that those differences don't matter enough mm-hmm. that the things that make us different are important, but they don't affect whether or not we can love each other. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah. I've had those experiences with people, you know, many times. And I think it's, it, it was so authentic to me. It felt so real. Yeah. You know? I was really annoyed with Holden in that scene with Avasarala when he started in on that, I'm like, God, damn it Holden until I shifted in my head until I shifted in my head a little bit and went oh no this is this is Holden still looking desperately for an opportunity to not kill Naomi's kid like yeah he he understands he's he's done it once but he's probably gonna have to do it It was your last shot it's your last yeah (laughs) like this is I I will grasp at anything still to not have to do this well and more than that to not have to kill anyone 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Holden doesn't like killing people. True. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No. Yeah. Phil, do you have something that you want to add about? Uh, you know, I, I just like the moment where Holden and Monica hug. I just loved it because, you know, this is a war situation. And uh, seeing people connect like that when, you know, they may never see each other again, honestly. Yeah. Um, it's uh, just that, you know, they've all had differences, but at the same time, they're all human and they connect as human beings. And, and that was really just a, a nice cap off to everything that happened in this episode with all the humanity and the breaking down. Mm-hmm. And just a nice moment. Well, and a nice, totally. a nice cap to the never, ever. Yeah, exactly. Ever. Exactly. It goes really hand in hand with that. Yeah, it really whole, well that. together. Yeah, I exactly. like you personally, but not professionally. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Rats. Or I think even um, he's, he, I think Holden would even say, I, I admire you professionally at this point, but I'm never going to ever, ever be in that circle. <laughs> I admire like, you so much professionally that I don't want you near any of my shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. And I think it was a really great juxtaposition to see the origin of the James Holden that we see before us with the true, say, oh, opposite of human, Marco Inaros. Um, We can now move over to the bad guys and discuss this whole situation. Um, it feels like Marco's strength is faltering in the wake of Drummer's big pronouncement. Um, my question was, does Rosenfeld, AKA number 90210, notice this? Is this why she's trying to repair the rift between Marco and Philip? Sort of, by being like, well, I mean, see, he's doing better. Let's, you know, this, it's okay. Additionally, Philip's alliance with Marco is definitely shaky now as he goes and kind of is trying to figure out what's happening with Tadeo and then finds out, oh my God, my dad is kind of an asshole. <laughs> like it all seems to spell catastrophic failure for Marco, which of course we knew was coming because he's, we've said many times before, he is not a leader. He's a charismatic speaker at best, man bun wearer, really angry face haver. <laughs> and that's maybe it. But this moment of insecurity could also fortify Marco. I love the degree to which his face expressed as, as Rosenfeld is trying to talk him into okay well let's take the let's do the retreat so that we can come back and do whatever and mm-hmm. he doesn't kudos to the showrunners for not like giving him actual words and saying this but just letting his face be completely infused with a sense of but that doesn't that make that doesn't make me look good that doesn't make me that doesn't make everybody love me and i need everybody to love me and it's not about None of this is about whether we win or not, but it's about whether people love me. And mm-hmm. it just, that exchange was so well done. Totally. So yeah. good. The acting, like we've said, the acting in this episode, I, I don't know how they get it to, to feel like it's like, oh, this is so much more impactful and, and like mm. better than we've seen. Cause it's always really good. It's just, yeah. Oh, so good. You're anyway. You're hundred percent right. And it just harkens back to what Lisa said. These people are fucking professionals mm-hmm. and they treat the audience like fucking adults. Yes. Yeah. You know, and they, they leave it to us to suss it out. 
You know yes, what I mean? Just to experience that on our own. They don't, they don't hold our hands. They give us exactly, you know, they give us enough. They yep. give us enough, but they don't give us more than that. They don't, you know, it's, this is a show for adults, you know, and not because they drop F-bombs, you know? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, so what else? What else is happening for Marco? Oh. I mean, I know it's hard because a handful of us, and I think I'm the only one who hasn't read the books. So some of you know what's coming, right? But for those of the people listening that have not read the books and don't know, you know, we're sitting here being like, oh man, is he about to, you know, is he about to bring the heat? Or is this kind of the beginning of the end for this god awful character? I'm not going to speak. <laughs> yeah, I know. Lisa and I are going to be very, very I'm going to let um, those who have not read the books answer this question. Well, I've read this, so I'm not answering. <laughs> so is it Philip and Karina? Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess so. Okay. Um, I have at? I mean, <laughs> go, you go ahead, Karina. <laughs> well, I mean, it seems perfectly set up just narratively that the fact that um, Holden did spare the, you know, spare him that, that then this would be, you know, the gun in the first act goes off in the third, right? Like right. it's perfectly set for something very dramatic to happen both interpersonally and that will have ramifications for the entire solar system. So I do love that about this show that the small things that people do because of their interpersonal relationships have these huge effects Yes, of course. That's how actual life works, I would imagine. So yeah, well, and they are they are really allowing the story to have let Philip have the final say in what happens to Marco, which uh, yeah. of all the seasons we've watched so far, every even even though there are story threads obviously that continue between each season, each season is kind of its own thing until you get to season five and six. Like season six could easily be just a continuation of five. Like it, it kind of just picks up and we're all, we're dealing with the same issues, the same storylines, the same elements are there. It's, it's been slowly building with, with the family relationship between Philip, Marco and, and Naomi and things like that. I mean, it's very much directly tied to last season where as you could take season three and be like, yeah, obviously there are story elements that have been built that are in this, but this is like a self-contained Western season in which, you know, we have a beginning, middle, end to the villain and stuff like kind of to some to a much that's, larger degree than that's what's not happening really true. Now. You have to season the first half of season three is all about picking up the threads of season two. I uh, the Western when they go to the or my season my, four, my thinking season, season four. four. Okay, so yeah, season, season four. four. Sorry, oh, okay, I think okay, it's season okay, four. Gotcha, sorry, sorry. Gotcha. Yeah, season. season four is a real like even in the book series, uh, the fourth book was kind of a a bit of a departure. It's from an outlier. The, yeah, the yeah, main yeah. storyline. Okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I just feel like more than any of the seasons, this entire season has all been an answer to the last season. There's no like middle stopping point where we're going to now mm -hmm. refocus to another story thread or reset or anything like that. It's just five and six all to me feel like the same season to a large degree. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and that so, is definitely similar in the books as well. Okay. Gotcha. Like, gotcha. They, they five and six are parts one and two basically. Yeah. Of, yeah. Like a, yeah. like a continuation so i mean like the fact that they've been building up to philip's decision in this next episode is is they've been laying this groundwork 
forever. <laughs> like, yeah. It's it's amazing how how and we're gonna get that. And that that's obviously they're not gonna give the kill to uh, Holden, although that part of his storyline is very important. I mean, they've been setting up for a Philip Marco thing for yeah. a while. Like mm-hmm. this is this is it. Yeah. You know? I think unlike Marco, the creators of The Expanse know how to play the long game. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's oh, yeah. true. That they do. <laughs> and I, I think we see in this this episode, you know, you asked the question, uh, uh, like, why does 90210 tell Marco about the, the, what happened, right? Yeah. It's because I think Marco doesn't realize how much he really needs Philip. I think he's so disconnected from what it means to be a father or a human that, you know, he, he says, I need my son, you know, but I don't think he understands why or how much he actually needs that. He doesn't understand that he's like a hurt little boy deep down underneath that needs some family himself. Yeah. (laughs) And also just thinking that like he needs Philip essentially out of spite, like to spite Naomi and to spite mm-hmm. his own father, even mm-hmm. he needs Philip for those yeah. reasons. For oh, and, I think that and then 90210 oh, comes in to be like, well, as the astute observer that I clearly am, maybe there's something more you could be getting out of Philip than spite. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say he needs Philip in almost a tactical way. If Philip defects, that's kind of a huge crack in his date, right? It's not a good look. The optics aren't great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, are we at the point of the podcast, Kelly Sue, where we can talk about fashion? Because I've been watching a lot of... (laughs) I've been watching a lot of Queer Eye. I've been binging the current season um, of Queer Eye. And I think it's great. I, I just think we should talk about a Queer Eye expanse. So what does Ton France have to say about the expanse costume? Let's hear it. I just, the Sasha fierceness of, of Sarala walking through Siri Station in her Neo Trinity Matrix j- coat with the, in the, it, oh so good like that you don't <laughs> you don't go meet you don't have a meeting with Camino drummer without being at that level of put it yeah. together and look stunning also the counterpoint of marco's the visual we had of marco's giving his speech in series station versus this moment of officer and drummer coming together i i enjoyed very very much um but yeah, uh, once again, Christian Avasarala and the costumers fucking on point. Like just, it was stunning. It was amazing. That whole moment was amazing. I loved too how you could see as Avasarala is walking towards Drummer and then Drummer comes in to speak to what we were talking about earlier in the episode where it was like so female focused without like bashing you over the head with it. But I loved, I loved how the men that are around them were like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Get it back up. There's some real shit happening here. Maybe we should get out of the way. (laughs) And we're going to go ahead and just take a step back 
and let this unfold, right? That moment was gorgeous. I'm so happy you brought that up, Claire. And her, all of her costumes in this episode, I mean, in the entire show, but in this episode specifically were bananas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a real, that was a rocking to Holden. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but the, 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 this, the series station outfit is a real like Cersei putting on the like high collared yeah. queen outfit. Mm-hmm. Like it was just, I am, I am adorning myself in an armor that is appropriate to like matching up to who drummer is like it it's such a compliment to the character of Kamina drummer yeah um oh it was just delicious yeah and then she and she got the prince aesthetic right (laughs) 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 i'm sorry justin i can't my co-host no that's i to say avasarala is like prince has got to make justin way happier oh yes that is a much better choice yes (laughs) thank you having the prince marco comparisons has ruined me forever i apologize Um, justin i really do i want to make a real quick hot take go for it just i really felt that moment when drummer gets taken out of line you know allowed to skip the line and nico sandrani basically calls her an uncle tom like right there at that moment like i was like god damn that felt so real you know (laughs) like that was amazing and it could have been any old, you know, Marco supporter. It didn't have to be, you know, the governor of series, but I think it was important, you know, that's one of those moments where you kind of have to do a little hand holding for the audience, you know, but man, I felt that moment so powerfully. I was like, she's straight up the inner's dog. I was like, that's an uncle Tom. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just rough. <laughs> that was rough. And also, um powerful and spot so on and powerful yeah we're now going to transition into the part of the show where we like to memorialize those who have been lost and to use Avasarala's own words from this episode there is no prize for the best victim so we honor them all in the same way be them physical or conceptual. And Philip is going to walk us through who we need to pour one out for this episode. Yeah, so characters are gonna die and how story handles uh, those deaths is very important to not only fans, but also storytellers. With our In Memoriam, we discuss all of this uh, and how they've affected us and uh, what their deaths can mean as storytelling tools. First and foremost, we're going to pour a six out for uh, Admiral Sandrine Karina and her fleet of six Martian warships ripped to shreds. Man, we just got her back. Yeah. There she goes. (laughs) There she goes. That we all. Yeah. I have to say that actress, and I don't know who played Admiral Karina, but she brought such presence to every scene she was in Mm -hmm. you know which is why i think we were all so happy to see her back you know i mean she was she felt important Mm -hmm. in those scenes in season three you know Mm -hmm. and you know 
it it hurt a little to see her go. Yeah, she feels like the last vestige of the MCRN as well. Like she's yeah. the the old. She was MCRN. our last yeah. remaining symbol of like that whole organization and like what good call what's left mm-hmm. now. Oh yeah, I was bummed. Both levels, both casting wise and everything, that adds so much more weight to her actual loss in this episode and sort of elevating the stakes. Yeah, it's lovely. Yep. Um we pour poor little one out for Joseph's uh, little left arm. Oh, oh I struggled arm. to not laugh during this entire scene because all I could think of was Deadpool. Same. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. That was yeah. All I could think of. Yeah. And I was like, I and I kept on having to remind myself, no, listen to what's happening. Be <laughs> in the emotion, the intended emotion of this scene and yep. stop thinking about Deadpool. <laughs> and Harry Potter visions. And then of course, uh the last of Drummer's family mm. dead. Dead and gone. Well, they're still alive. But well, yeah, the, the, the idea, dead. the idea yeah. of the family. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay, so what, More. half poor. Half poor, yeah. We can take a sip. That was, uh, that That hurt. It did. Yeah. That hurt as yeah. much as anything else. Like that yeah. really, you know, like, because poor drummer is getting everything, everything she's ever tried to have for herself is stripped away from her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know. I, I was, her, her last line to meet you was like, I didn't, love you because you were fighters i loved you because you were builders was yeah like oh. damn yeah beautiful. yeah they uh, gave her fire this episode they gave yeah. her great great stuff material they really did yeah. um and while they gave her great stuff they took something away from tadeo uh oh. tadeo's brother in a sad twist of fate um blowing up your own is not uh i imagine not a good way to uh, live out the rest of your life knowing you did that um mm-hmm. Sorry, Tadeo. Yeah, sorry, yeah. buddy. You were you weren't the only one lied to, my friend. Um, and then, of course, finally, the last shred of Philip's respect for Marco. It seemed like went the way of the dodo right there at the end. Uh, it did. It did seem that way. Yeah, yeah, extinct. It went the way of the there's dodo. There's just no. Yeah. It, it's really there's really no good way to be a terrorist. It turns out. No, no. no. Really that finally got real clarified for Philip yeah. in that moment. Yeah, it yeah. did. Justin, I, I did some IMDBing while uh, we were talking about all of this and the woman who plays uh, the MCRN captain, whose character Admiral name, Karina. oh, Sandrine Karina, yeah. is one named Krista Bridges, who was in Hannibal as Jocelyn Madchen, she was. She must oh, have been her mother. She's Georgia Madchen's mom. Georgia yeah. mom. I yeah, oh. apparently Man. so. she was really good in that scene too. She was. It's, yeah. it's right? pretty interesting Memorable. how often you see actors, you know, in mm-hmm. these great shows, you know, moving from mm-hmm. one to the other. That's you mm. crossovers mm-hmm. for those. Yeah. Nice. We are talking nice. about. Our acquisition and there, of course Claire Sean Thorne. Doyle yes <laughs> our other popsicle podcast murder husbands where we talk about every episode of Hannibal and doing that alongside the expanse we get to see a lot of familiar faces yeah we do it's pretty nice so I think yeah. I think that's the end of uh, the in memoriam Kelly Sue all right thank you Phil and peace out to all of those people slash things slash ideas slash emotions Um, So this brings us to the point of all of these episodes, which is where we get to say 
that episode was fill in the blank. So we're going to start with our special guest, Karina. That episode was intense. Mm-hmm. Oh, good word. Claire. <laughs> fierce. Sasha Fierce. Yes, Ooh. queen. <laughs> All right, Lisa. That episode was my heart. Justin. That episode was amazing. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. Yep. Bill? Uh, enlivening. That episode was just like, it, it, yeah, enlivening. Just filled me. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Yeah. Enli- yes. Enlivening. And that episode was, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said that about 70, 11 times. <laughs> All right. So as we do in every episode of every podcast that we have, there is always a little slice where we want to recommend some other cool things if you like this thing. And because we have Karina as our special guest, we're going to go to her first and then to Justin. Um, Karina, if our friends loved this episode or The Expanse in general, what might they also like? Ah, you know, it's hard to, to say because nothing else is really like this, I feel like, that's on right now. I will say something else. Now my cat thinks I'm talking to her. So she's meowing in the background. <laughs> I love the sound of that. Meow. <laughs> Cat's got recommendations. <laughs> yep. So um, lately we've been watching Yellow Jackets, which oh. is kind of the opposite of this. It's very, <laughs> I'm going to say trashy, but I mean that in a loving way. <laughs> because it's just full of cannibalism and people uh, doing bad things. But it's also very... Um, female centric and it definitely would pass the Bechdel test. And, uh, you know, they're not talking about boys. They're talking about survival and it's an interesting counterpoint, I think to this. So fantastic. I like that. Yeah. I've heard really great things about yellow jackets. So I'll check that out. Um, Justin. First of all, I'd like to point out that the cat seems to be recommending wet food. I'm just saying. She is. If you like this episode of the expanse, I recommend, Fancy feast. Um, <laughs> um, so, um, as I'm watching The Expanse, you know, I'm also watching for the first time, and I, I think I've already recommended this, but uh, what I'm recommending is the sci fi works of Ronald D. Moore. Ooh. Ronald D. Moore is a Star Trek alum, just like Noreen Shankar, just like Brian Fuller. Okay, mm-hmm. and these writers do tremendous, tremendous science fiction work. And the great thing about Star Trek is, I think, comes down to the Vulcan credo, you know, infinite diversity and infinite combinations, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that these writers and creators really got that. Mm-hmm. And so watching For All Mankind on Apple TV, you know, I'm really struck Like I had this thought, I'm only on like episode six, you know, but I had this thought going in, like, this is a show that's reminding us that 50% of our population has been treated like shit historically. Mm -hmm. And we can't ignore that in our storytelling, you know? 
Um, and but this is also the guy who took a beloved figure, Lauren Green, you know, from the original Battlestar Galactica, and re and put a Mexican guy in his place, you know, and took a beloved hot dog character, you know, played by Dirk Benedict in Battlestar Galactica Starbuck and put a woman mm -hmm. in his place mm -hmm. in, in the Battlestar Galactica reboot. And that's all cool. But more than that, the Battlestar Galactica reboot was fucking amazing. You know, for all mankind is really plucking my heartstrings and really bringing me to this place of like, God, if only, you know, if only we had been forced to be, if America had been forced to be its best self, you know, and it's just really fascinating and grossing storytelling, at least for me, you know. So I think if you see any of those three names, Brian Fuller, Noreen Shankar, because Noreen Shankar, Shankar flat out wrote the most recent episode of uh, For All Mankind that I saw, mm. um, and especially now, right now, for my recommendation, the works of Ronald mm. D. Moore, I think you won't be disappointed. So that's where yeah. I'm at. I love it. I now want to dive into both of those things. And I hope the listeners do too as well. Um, that brings us to the end of another That Episode Was. And we are even, we're one more episode, one episode closer, I should say, to the end of this season of The Expanse, which is like, oh my God. Um, and the so announcement you, of the next movie or season. And the, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so if you like this conversation, which of course you did because it was awesome, be sure to like and subscribe to Popsicle on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, or wherever you collect podcasts. Uh, tune in next week. Uh, to hear the next episode of that episode was where we'll be discussing the sixth and final episode of season six. Avalon's crushes. It even sounds rock and roll. <laughs> also currently releasing new episodes of Murder Husbands, as I mentioned earlier, our deep dive appreciation of Brian Fuller's Cannibal every Tuesday. Um, you can stay up to date by following Popsicle Pod on all social medias and visit our website, popsiclepod.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter that definitely exists and get all the latest news and announcements. That's popsiclepod, P-O-P-S-K-L-P-O-D. Until next time, oyadang. This has been a Popsicle Podcast production. I don't know if the rest of my hot takes are going to make it into this episode, but I do have to say, Bobby Draper giving a Vassarala the fucking what for was yeah. amazing. And it's Again, funny because it she was like, like every fucking scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because the Vassarala was like, I need you to be honest with me. She's honest with her. Get out of my room. <laughs> yeah. Do something else. I'm, getting, mm -hmm. I'm totally Phillip. using that. One day, you, one day you will get married, and then that scene will become way more understandable for you. <laughs>